Hey everyone, this is Sam, better known as That Girl with the Curls, and I'm recording this just to kind of give you a heads up that the first 14 episodes are essentially, they were previously recorded for the website Word of the Nerd that I used to write for, and as I am no longer a writer for that website, I decided to take my podcast with me uh, to my own website, The Maniacal Geek, and uh, use this as my forum for interviewing people and whatnot and saying things that I want to say, which, you know, hopefully this introduction is getting that across. If not, I apologize. So uh, you will hear this on every recording for the first 14. After that, there will be different recordings, uh, just kind of, you know, intros, basically, to whomever's on the podcast. So if you're hearing this for the umpteenth time, please skip ahead. Uh, if not, uh, just enjoy the rest of the show, and I hope you keep listening and come back for more. All right, thank you so much, and uh, have fun with this episode. And uh, once again, we are doing a uh, Legend of Korra recap, and joining me once again is Miguel. Miguel, say hello. Hi, everybody. There you go. Uh, how are you doing, Miguel? I'm doing well. You know, it's... sun is shining for another half hour, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, good episodes of Korra this week. That's, that's always good. Very much so, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, they've been getting better and better. Even um, this week is probably like the closest... Uh, as as I've seen on different websites, like the closest to maybe filler, um, but at the same time they've still progressed the story, like in in a positive way. Yeah, there's a lot a lot of good good stuff happening. It stuff. Yes. So uh, the first uh, so we're dealing with episodes six and seven, and the first of these two is old wounds, and this is basically where we find out. Pretty much why Lynn hates her sister. Yeah. It's heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, and and for all the the teasing about like you won't be able to watch this online and blah blah blah. I mean, it's it's a really like straightforward episode. I mean, there's nothing like outlandishly you know spectacular about it, except for the fact that it's a very emotional. Yeah, there was a there definitely some deep emotions running there, you know, a lot of stuff coming out, out in the open. <laughs> a lot of uh, sisterly um, a lot of rocks. fighting. Yeah, a lot of rocks yeah. being thrown. This is a, in, in the uh, Avatar Korra universe, this is the only place where sibling rivalries and fights often end in people throwing water, fire, air, or rocks at each other mm-hmm. instead of, like, just real arguments. <laughs> right. Uh, so it's it's actually really interesting because Lynn is uh, dealing with a lot of stress and the truth seer guy who I don't I don't remember if he has a name but I think so. whatever it's Steve I think Steve okay Steve the truth seer um, <laughs> he notices Lynn looks a little stressed and recommends a, an acupuncturist and and it's interesting again how they show the different ways that bending is being used as well so. This acupuncturist is bending the needles. Um, he's not really bending them; he's just moving them. Uh, and so he is uh, hitting all the all the the points on her body while she kind of thinks back. And then we get the flashbacks to when Lynn was a young cop, and her sister was 
a lovable scamp. Hooligan <laughs> is what she was. A hooligan, exactly. Um, and so it's a, uh, and it's really interesting to see their dynamic when they were younger, especially when you factor Toph into it. And we get to see older Toph. Uh, as the chief of police, and really, like, what led to the rift between the the Beifang family oh, uh, as a whole. Yeah. yeah. So, what, what did you what did you think of that, Miguel? Well, I I feel like I didn't um, I saw it, I I kind of saw it coming. Not not mm-hmm. everything exactly, like the the whole the whole whip in the face thing, like, I was like, oh, yeah. like, that was, like, huge, and so that explains, like, a whole lot, like, yeah, I'd be upset about that, probably, for 30 years, yeah. I don't know about 30, but, like, Toph, um, sending Sue away and stuff, like, that's, that was, like, such a, I don't know, like, a well-played move, like, I, like, you knew it was gonna happen, you know, and then, like, Lynn's protesting about, like, her, about, you know, Sue just getting away with everything, you're like, yeah, this is bullshit, what are you doing, and then, like, I yeah. It was pretty cool, but I, um, I did like how later, like after the fact, we were like Sue was just like, dude, we we me and mom wanted to you know work this out. You didn't like we're we 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 were over it. What's going on? Like it just shows a lot. I mean that that I think um, spoke even more to like what the dynamic in that family ended up being as a result of that. Like yeah yeah, and it, it definitely like informs a lot more about uh, Lynn's character because. She was uh, in the first season probably the the standout character uh, in terms of people just being like, man, Lin Bei Fong is badass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I really feel like because she got very much sidelined in season two, and here we're finally you know diving into her uh, into why she is the way she is. I mean, um, she she leaves her uh, acupuncture session before it's completed, and so she gets kind of sick and she's weak. And there's a moment of hallucination where she sees young Sue, but it's actually uh, Cora talking to her, which is just kind of like, that says a lot, like Mm -hmm. right there. And kind of lets you know exactly why she acted the way she did towards Cora when she first met her in the first season. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just so, oh my God, it's so good. And just even the fight between Sue and Lynn was so well done too because it's it's very much like they're they're hashing it out you know in their way Mm -hmm. but it's also it's just so emotionally charged and it's just you're just like oh god just hug it out or something right i will say though that that kind of reaction is something that's never happened to me during acupuncture Mm -hmm. so i don't know what that dude was doing with those needles yeah got some kind of crazy super acupuncture i think yeah, exactly. It's like, which pressure point did you hit, dude? Yeah, um, the good ones, apparently. Yeah, like, I tapped into those memories you'd been hiding for so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we also see, uh, and I actually did really like in the fight, they they um, throw one of uh, Sue's son's um, sculpturing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he's, like, he's like, good. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's actually better, or like, something like that. <laughs> he, like, likes it better after it gets destroyed. Exactly. Like, oh, man. The banana. Like the yeah, it was, it was the banana sculpture. Yeah, the banana sculpture. It's and it was so good. Like I love when they do those little character moments because uh, the 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 episode itself, I mean, was was very emotionally charged. But then you had those moments with um, Cora starts learning to metal bend. Yeah. 
which was so awesome because yeah, she's the she's the first Avatar to metal bend, so that that makes her like real important now. <laughs> um, and then there was also the little uh, kind of like it's almost like you had a an A and like B B plots split up into one and two almost like Korra learning to metal bend and then uh, Bolin wants to metal bend. Yeah, who wouldn't? Exactly, but he's too embarrassed, but he, uh, by his own admission to Opal, he admired Toph, and so he always wanted to be like her, and he just never could meddle then, and so he finally, like, you know, hoists himself up and, and asks Sue to teach him right as the uh, war between the Beifong sisters starts. Oh, yeah, it did. Oh, my God. And and that's one of the things that I really have liked about Bolin since the beginning, is that he's kind of this... Uh, champion of the female characters in the show. Um, I, I don't know if you remember this back in the first season when he was, you know, kind of in a little bit, you know, puppy love with uh, with Cora yeah. on his part, and then he just kind of describes her and he's like, "You're the best, greatest, funniest, like buffest, blah blah blah." He's just going on about all these great traits. So he's always been on Cora's side, and then you know, learning that Toph was his, like, hero, it's just kind of like, I like that they do that, that, you know, his hero isn't necessarily one of the, the male air, um, avatars or anything like that, mm-hmm. it's Toph. And I think that's I think that's a really cool thing to put in there, because it doesn't seem like a big thing, but it actually kind of is. I mean, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, so yeah. she is pretty cool, too, so it makes, it makes sense that... Toph is an awesome character, and she should be looked up to and admired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because she's tough. Uh, and then there was also, like, the C-plot, which was the um, the escapee prisoners escaping Republic City as well. Which they, they continue, like, they barely are in the episode, but even in those little moments... It's still really fun to watch them like escape Republic City to go after Korra. <laughs> that poor truck driver man, he's just trying to mind his own beeswax and he gets wrapped up in all this. Mm. He's just like, I just make it a delivery and there's just like we just need to get out. <laughs> well, and also like the whole thing with um Zaheer figuring out where she is. Yeah. Like what? How does he know? Like, what is he tapping into that allows him to know where, that she's with the Metal Clan? <laughs> Current theory, uh, I have two of them. Okay. He either has some kind of weird, as of yet, uh, undisclosed spiritual connection mm-hmm. with Korra, or maybe someone traveling with her. You okay. know, like the way um, uh, Baby Airbender, what's her name? Ah, oh, man, I'm... Blanket. Janora? Yeah, Janora. She's not the youngest mm-hmm. one either. Well, the way she can kind of do that. Or um, he can use his airbending to somehow decipher radio signals. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a, they're both kind of just shots in the dark, but. Maybe. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping they explain it because, yeah, it's. I mean, there's meditation and there's like, well, we conveniently need them to know where she is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, got, I gotta know. Yeah, exactly. It's like because it it does make it interesting because you want to know why because they've they've shown all four of these characters to be very interesting villains and so it's just you know like I said before it's a matter of time before they meet up with 
team avatar and then it's just like oh my god the fight that's gonna happen like the first fight where they probably lose and then they you know get better with the passage of time yeah. and defeat them <laughs> yeah just like voltron exactly it's what you do you're like team avatar powers activate <laughs> i want to know but like really though with them like i want to know what what their crazy agenda actually is because when they when they're in you know trying to escape republic city or whatever one of them mentions like hey we're still trying to take out the president and i was like what why yeah you know, you're just trying to take topple everything they're like the dudes who kidnapped um patty hearst hearst oh my god hearst. <laughs> that is a deep cut hearst. Yeah. yeah. Like they just like I just I gotta know what their what their agenda is. Yeah. Just, like I need, just I need answers. Exactly. <laughs> but the, I mean, and that's and that's the really good thing about the writing is that we're we're on the edge of our seat, wanting to know why all this stuff is stuff is happening. And even though you know we're getting answers about like Lynn and Sue's relationship, we're also getting more stuff where we're just like, man, I just, I need to see that, you know, how that plays out. And that's really great because, you know, if you go back to season two, there were a lot of things that you're just kind of like, oh, I don't care, whatever. Are they, are they done? Are they going to do something? <laughs> yeah. There, there were like, more spirits in these episodes too. Freaking yeah. And that's what I appreciated. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So that that was old wounds um, in a nutshell. Uh, was there is there anything else that you wanted to talk about in the episode, Miguel, or did we cover it all? I think we got it. I think we got it. Yeah. Oh, oh Varric showed up with his magnet suit. Oh, that's right, Varric in the magnet suit, which was so kind of <laughs> just everything's shaking and boom. Yeah. As soon as that happened, I saw everything shaking. I was like, it's, it's I was like, it's Varric with some kind of big magnet because you know he alluded to it in that in that other earlier episode he's like magnets that's what's happening days and then so you're, you're mm-hmm. like you know he's up to something like oh and it's it's such a like a, a checkoff gun <laughs> kind of like what is it going to be used for and, and just when he when he um leaves the you know the space and you see just julie right behind him and she's just kind of there <laughs> yeah so because it's phase two like phase two oh right oh that yeah not that part but yeah <laughs> um oh and uh oh we forgot the was it Lynn after the the whole fight she collapses and then she I love the moment between Bullen uh, uh uh Mako and Cora they're outside of Lynn's uh, room yeah. and they're they're trying to figure out who's going to like knock on the door to see if she's okay <laughs> um and I and I love that moment just because like with with Cora she's still a teenager like she's still young and she's not like completely unafraid of anything like Lynn still scares the crap out of her yeah she would, she would uh, scare me too exactly and and she comes out like refreshed and everything after sleeping for 16 hours and she's like good morning everybody and you're like she got okay, sleep code yeah exactly it's like what was in that crazy acupuncture like <laughs> Um, and then she even has like a really nice moment with Opal yeah. where she apologizes and encourages her to go to the Northern air temple to learn airbending. So, and, and again, that's, uh, another thing that they bring up in terms of the Bay Fong family is, you know, uh, Lynn and Sue were given so much freedom that they just did whatever they wanted. And then, uh, Sue went right around and kind of like enclosed her own children uh, gave them structure to the point where her daughter was afraid to 
basically go out uh, to the the Northern Air Temple because she was afraid of disappointing her mother. Yeah. Uh, so it's like this family line of feeling like you've disappointed your parents in the Beifang family. It's rough. It is rough. It's kind of again. It's you know you look at how they've they've made the characters that we loved in Avatar like as adults not be saints like we we wanted to know what happened to them and and we see that they weren't you know perfect we all we always knew that they weren't but even as adults they still made their mistakes Mm -hmm. um which is kind of it's it's really like nice to see that happening in its own way you're like these characters have grown and they didn't necessarily turn out the best all the time (laughs) so um, okay, so we'll move on to uh, the you know, next episode, episode seven, the original Airbenders, and we pick up the story in the Northern Air Temple where Tenzin is basically trying to uh, instill the air nomad culture in the new recruits, uh, and he's not doing very well. Oh, not at all. He is <laughs> not good at that. How would you describe uh, Tenzin's teaching style, Miguel? Dumb. <laughs> well. I did appreciate uh, his his um, Airbender history lessons. Like mm-hmm. that was cool, but that's me because I'm a nerd about that yeah. kind of stuff. Just the lore and whatnot of the series. I feel like it's coming out in a really kind of unique and cool way this season with all this Airbender stuff, like all the guru stories and whatnot. You know, yeah. um, so that was me. But obviously, <laughs> no one who he's teaching gives cares like except for except for one guy uh, named otaku oh god right (laughs) (laughs) the minute he said otaku was like seriously and he was already an air acolyte so yeah oh man that kid but um just his his whole i don't know it's no one was into it you know they were all bored just tears and, and I think it's it's also troubling. It's it's hard for Tenzin because he's you know for a long time, for most of his life until his children were born, he was the only Airbender other than Aang. A lot of pressure. Yeah, a lot of we've we've established that Aang put like a lot of pressure on his son to to basically like pass on the Airbender tradition by having children and raising Airbenders and um and being the spiritual guide for Korra. And what we saw in season two is he he failed to do that. It was Janora who really was the um, the one who helped her more on, on that level. And so even as a teacher of these new uh, Airbenders, he's he's not doing as well as he thinks he is or wants to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it and it's really it's an interesting dynamic because like Boomy is a terrible student and he's acting out. <laughs> And Boomy's just awesome to begin with, but uh, you can see where the older brother, who acts like the younger brother, is just pissing off Tenzin the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Tenzin is actually like he he even gets he gets advice from Korra, and uh, when he calls to check in, finds out Opal is on her on her way over to learn, and then Bolin has a moment where he's just like, "She's the greatest! Oh my god, <laughs> I love her." <laughs> Uh, and then Korra basically gives Tenzin advice, which I thought was was really good for the show as well, in showing the the dynamic between Korra and Tenzin is becoming much more equal. Yeah. Uh, in terms of her now acting more like a, a wise avatar in her own way. 
She's like, just use Boomy's stuff against him. <laughs> <laughs> Which works with terrible results. Oh, yeah, even even worse than before, probably. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, was it, Korra tells Tenzin to basically get Boomy to um, use his naval skills to give him advice. Tenzin gets the advice from Boomy that he should just, like, break him down and build him back up, and then does that, and then basically Boomy's the first one to quit. Yeah. So, um, and in in the midst of that, we have Jinora and Kai are kind of getting a little cozy, just a, just a little budding romance here. Um, and and in that, we see like the 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 air bison are the out there and being all wild, and uh, they go and see these little babies who can't fly yet, and it's this whole idea of they they eventually will have to like you know learn to fly and whatnot. Uh, and uh, Kai gets too close, and then the mothers are all like, Brrr, and Jinora saves him, and he just starts like, talking her up and being like, why don't you have the tattoos? Why aren't you a master? Right. Um, which puts the idea in Jinora's head that, you know, if, if she's this uh, prodigy of the spirit, you know, spirit world, and she, you know, helped Koro far more than Tenzin did, then why doesn't she have her tattoos yet? Um, so how would you characterize the relationship between Jinora and her father, Miguel? Um, I think, I mean, she, she, she just seems like, I don't know, it seems real. Like, she just seems like a kid who is, who is growing up, you know, and growing into her own and, you know, realizing, hey, I don't know, it's kind of maybe continuing theme here. She's like realizing, hey, my dad isn't perfect. You know, he's Mm -hmm. not all that he's been built up to be, and now she's kind of questioning, you know, she's just getting into that adolescent stage of, like, questioning authority and, like, trying to figure out who, who she really is, and she's convinced now that she's this, uh, air master, which she, she is. Yeah, pretty know? much. Um, and so, like, yeah, I think it's really bringing out some, like, like new, um, strife. Yeah, it's a good word for it, strife, and her strife. conflict in her relationship with Tenzin, and he has no idea how to deal with it. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, what? Where is this coming from? I'm trying to play Full Metal Jacket right now. Can we get to this later? <laughs> well, and it's and it's the whole thing where you know Jinora is his oldest child and she's a girl, and Tenzin like I think I don't remember who it is that says something about her going off with her boyfriend. He's like, what? Yeah, boyfriend. <laughs> um, and and. I, I think that I, there hasn't been enough like um, praise, I think, given to J.K. Simmons, who voices Tenzin, uh, for this portrayal because he does such a good job of of playing like the doubting father and also kind of like the like I don't know what I'm doing either, you know, side of Tenzin as well, um, and then also the beleaguered younger brother of Boomy and Kaya. <laughs> so, uh, and I do love also like. Tenzin not only gets advice from Korra, but also from his wife, Pema, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really sweet scene uh, between the two of them. Because we haven't really seen uh, Tenzin and Pema together, you know, for a while just as a married couple. Right. There's not a lot of Pema just in general. I'm yeah. Kind of she kind of came in a little more. Cause she, I think if anyone needs a little more screen time, it's her. It's definitely Pema. Yeah, yeah Pema. Pema's a really um, interesting character because she did start off as an air acolyte, 
she was the reason Tenzin broke things off with Lin for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, she's the mother of three airbenders. We don't know if their their youngest child will be one, but uh, more than likely, you know, perhaps. But uh, yeah, so she's the uh, she's the very put upon mother raising these three, you know, four children who are already a handful to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> Iki and uh, and Milo especially. Oh, Milo. Kid is a ten. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. Um so when Janora and, and Tenzin have their little squabble before Janora like runs off and everything with, with Kai for a bit, uh Milo's little like taking over, he's like, Look to your left, look to your <laughs> one of these people will not come out of here alive. Oh, that was so good. Like they've they've used Milo very well this season. Yeah. Um he was kind of overdone in the first because they were trying to get all those, like, kid jokes in. Fart jokes. Yeah, fart jokes, all the fart bending. He's like, I got uh, real bad. Yeah. That was like, okay, it's good. But they've they've done a really good job of utilizing Iki and Milo to their strengths, where it's just like, okay, they are clearly characters that should come in for, like, two scenes, and then that's it. Right. And then it's bedtime. <laughs> Yeah, and then it's bedtime. Um, so yeah, the in the original Airbenders is like probably the the closest filler episode really so far of this season. I mean, yeah. we we've got about five left, um, but it's still kind of progressing this idea of not only did we have the Beifang sisters kind of hashing it out um, in this episode, we have Boomy and Tenzin kind of patching things up, uh, as well as Janora and Tenzin. Um, and it, and it, they even kind of like spell out the whole, the, the book for you. Cause the book, this book is called change. Um, and then as the, the baby bison are starting to fly after I forgot this entire subplot of there being uh, poachers basically. Right. Oh yeah. Those guys. Ugh. No, oh, ah. no goodness. That's what I call them. That's right. There's, there's basically, they're capturing all the, the bison and they're, Selling them to Bossing Say so that the uh, Earth Queen, who's just even more of a bitch now because yeah. he's eating the that stinked bison. Awful Earth Queen. Ugh. I Ugh. So they, they like capture Kai and Janora. Kai gets out and Tenzin goes in to save him. And I love this because Kai like gets the guy out of the uh, the truck. And in the midst of this, all of the other uh, airbenders have, have figured out what's happened because of Janora's connection to the spirit world and little Boomju. Uh, and they start actually using Tenzin's lessons to save them. And Kai, um, he stops the guy and is like, just going to town on him with the, the airbending yeah. uh, techniques. And then Tenzin stops him. And he's like, no, we don't kill or blah, maim, blah, blah, blah. That was a good technique. <laughs> like, <laughs> They always have that line for Tenzin. It's kind of like um, in the first season when Korra joined the pro bending, and uh, Tenzin didn't know until he's at the match, and uh, he she gets like knocked out, and he's like, "That was a bad call." Yeah. <laughs> They're always really good about even though he's a stick in the mud, Tenzin always gets like these really good lines where you're just like, he's not completely you know um, out there in terms of. You know, you you can always relate to Tenzin on some level, I think. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so that was um, that was original Airbenders, uh, and 
also, it was still a good episode. It's still kind of playing off of this idea of the families and that change is inevitable uh, as we see through Tenzin and Jinora's relationship starting to grow as he, he starts to respect her as a, you know, a budding uh, master of airbending. And, uh, and yeah, so hopefully I think the next episode will be uh, maybe Korra's team like meeting up with the, the, the bandits. So hopefully, I don't know. They didn't really show any kind of what's going to happen next week right. kind of thing. So, uh, Miguel, what do you predict for the next two episodes? Oh, um, there's going to be, I mean, they're kind of leading up. I mean, they're kind of hinting at it, but there's going to be some sort of conflict, I think, in the metal cities. Middle City, between, you know, uh, what's his name? Henry Rollins' gang. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's where the, the first showdown is going to take place. Between, like, you know, Team Avatar and Team Patty Hearst. His <laughs> kidnapping team. I mean, if she's... The yeah, Avatar is basically Patty Hearst because they tried to kidnap her when she was born or young or whatever. Yeah. You know? So, um... No, I accept your premise. Yeah. So, there's going to be a showdown. Definitely. Um, yeah. I think. The next, hopefully the next couple of episodes. Um, yeah. I'd like to see some... Uh, God, I was, see, I was just thinking about it now. I just forgot. Um, the, the bandits from the Earth Queen episode, mm-hmm. the ones that are like, you're on the wrong side of this avatar. I want to see them come back and be like, you know, show their side. I mean, obviously their side of it is they're overtaxed and oppressed and um, mm-hmm. they're ready for, I'm assuming, some sort of not monarchy. Um, yes. You know, uh, Sue, you know, um, hints at that too. She's like, who even needs a queen? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, and yeah. is her city, or is her city in the Earth Kingdom? Like, are they considered Earth Kingdom citizens or are they just like a rebel city faction? I don't know. I, Questions. No. If Sue can make her own city, essentially. Uh, I mean, because we talked about this before with, you know, the whole thing with King Boom, you know, Boomy was the king of Omashu. Yeah. Um, so I guess you can have the Earth Queen, you know, because she's the queen of the, the, the area that's considered the Earth Kingdom, but maybe you can also have those, like, separate kingdoms that operate on their own, because that's what Zhao Fu seems to do. It just operates on its own system of, uh, uh, as an independent city, almost. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would assume that the cities operate on their own, like, state, it's kind of like city-state kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah, legit. Maybe there's some kind of deference to the Earth Queen, I don't know. We'll have to ask the creators and be like, mm-hmm. so how does it work in the Earth Kingdom? Yeah, you guys want to come on the show, please? Yeah, we'd, guys, we'd come on, we will, we will totally talk to you. <laughs> I will say brownies to everyone involved, that way we can all be eating brownies, and be like, hey, these are delicious, chocolate chips. Yes. We'll talk about brownies, how they're awesome, and then we'll get into the uh, sociopolitical aspects of the Earth Kingdom. Yeah. I think it'll be really entertaining. It'll, it'll be like a TED Talk. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Well, this, That's what you and I will do, Miguel. That's our TED Talk is about the politics of Korra. Oh, that is, oh yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> it'll be amazing. And they'll be like, why are these two up there talking about this? I don't know, but we get to watch clips from Legend of Korra. <laughs> so um, before we close out, because we're out half an hour. I think that's plenty of time to recap these episodes. Uh, Miguel, anything else you want to add to either episode that you feel we've left out or just want to kind of talk about for a second? Uh, no, I think, you know, I think we got it all. Usually I have like a, Oh, I got a last thing, but not, not mm-hmm. tonight. 
Okay. Cool. Well, then, uh, once again, where can people find you online? I'm all over the internet. Uh, I write for wordofthenerdonline.com. Online.com. Um, with a new fancy redesigned website, I hear. Um, yes. We are in the process of making it bigger and bolder, everyone. Also, on the tweets, I'm at Miguel Like Comics. So, yeah, tweet at me, and I might send you yeah. a picture of my dog. There you go. You always want a picture of a cute puppy. Um, and as for me, uh, not only on this podcast, but many others on Word the Nerd at some point, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Darlene underscore Sammy, as well as the various articles I write for Word of the Nerd and my own blog, The Maniacal Geek. Um, it's uh, maniacalgeek.wordpress.com. And on behalf of That Girl with the Curls and Word of the Nerd, please, you know, like us on iTunes, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all the things, leave comments, yada, 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 yada. Um, and with that, uh, thank you again, Miguel, for joining me. And good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you.